everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having in the agency. I'm Peter Yajisic, Head of Technology at Situation, and I'm joined this week by Jordan Person, uh, Head of New Business at Situation. Hello, Jordan. Hey, Peter. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. And we also have with us today, back for his third or maybe fourth time on the podcast, founder of Situation, Damian Bazadana. Hello, Damian. How are you, Peter? Doing great. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We're thrilled to have you, uh, especially because <clears throat> our topic today, uh, the idea of philanthropy and what we do and giving back and how that's a core part of what we do here at Situation uh, in the agency and in everything we do day to day. So can you talk a little bit about why... Why is it such an important part of the mission of the agency to be able to give back? Well, I think for me personally, I you know, started the company 13 or 14 years ago, and building this company, uh, particularly in, in the very beginning, was really one of the most difficult things I've, I've ever had to do. You kind of give your life to something, uh, and you try very hard to build it. And along the way, a lot of people have helped me. And this goes, you know, I just more of a spiritual thing for myself. Um, I, I, a lot of people have contributed to the success of both myself and the company over the years that I feel like uh, compelled to give back. Like, and, and I mean, I consider myself very lucky to be sitting where I'm sitting right now, um, just at this agency and being able to, uh, through our philanthropic efforts as a whole, um, I feel like you kind of have to give back. It's just what you do. Well, and, and I think, you know, that you make a really good point that there are a lot of different, philanthropy can mean a lot of different things. It can mean donating to charitable causes. It can mean hosting a series of events where you bring interesting people together so people can learn. It doesn't just mean giving money necessarily. You know, and, and when you first started the organization, I'm sure the you know, when, when you're just trying to pay the rent and pay your employees, there's a different sense of what you're able to do uh, early on versus what you're able to do after 14 years. Can you talk a little bit about the evolution of, you know, all the different ways that you've been able to to look at the look through the lens of giving back and what that's meant? Yeah, I mean, look, I think giving back also it feels good first of all, and I think again, it's like for me, for me, I'm not going to be on this planet forever. And I feel like whatever I do, I want to have a good impact. It's just really as simple as that. So in this company, like I love – look, we've grown from one to 70 people. Um, I don't want to – what drives me isn't necessarily getting more people and more money. It's having more impact. And if that is having, making more money, great. And we can have impacts on my employees' lives, great. Um, but I think just through the, the overall lens, I think whether it's time, money, resource, when you step into something – I think we have a responsibility to have a positive impact, and which means for the community at large, not just for yourself. Um, and everything I do is sort of based around that. And there's a lot of there's a big selfish piece to that. It's a it's how I sleep at night. Um, B I think it's good for business. Um, and C I think I have two little kids, and two little kids look at you and go, "What what do you do? Like what existence do I have? And how do other people look at me, including my family?" There's a large responsibility that comes with that. So I feel like everything I do through that lens and what I try to promote to other people is like, do good things. It's not that hard. Right. And, and you know, I, I think the, the selfish end of doing good things, uh, you know, one of the things you talk about a lot with the Situation Project, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, but, uh, you know, you talk about you know, seeding the future of this industry, of the live events industry, and how important it is, you know, with schools that are cutting arts programs or cutting funding, how, you know, it's just really, it's selfish. You want, you want interesting people to come into this industry yeah. and to work in this industry in the next 15 to 20 years. So you make it a mission to say, you know what, we need the raw materials for that in order to keep doing what we're doing. So it only makes sense 
to find a way to grow that audience, which I think is a great way of of, of kind of approaching it. It's it, yes, it's altruistic, but it's also ensuring the survival of what we do here every day. Yeah. Well, look, I'm in the talent business. Well, we're, all, we're all in the talent business in some way, shape, or form. That I mean, I guess there's, there's sort of two ways that I look at it. From a, from a, I'd say from a business perspective, it's all about trying to nurture the next the next sort of generation of talent uh, to come into our tent, right? In some way, shape, or form. So, you know, we started the Situation Project uh, almost five years ago. Now it's officially a 501c3. Um, you know, the basic idea is, is how do we connect high-performing schools in underserved areas uh, with arts and culture, right? So that for us, it's about building talent, it's building audiences. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And for me, just from a business perspective, like, why would you not invest in that? I hope to be in the business for many years to come. Um, I think there's just something really great about that. And I think it's also a good message for the industry that we should be doing that. On a personal level, what gets me more fired up is just the idea of uh, rooting for the underdogs. And I think the underdogs that also work hard, I think a lot of people get screwed over. Um, and being a voice for them, I just root for. I've been screwed over a lot throughout my lifetime. I've seen <laughs> enough stuff. You know what I mean? And I think that if I have the ability to help folks, and I think our agency, and I think that's also a lot of people that are here in our agency, which is awesome, um, is that we, why not? I think we can help. I think we have a role to do that. So I'm tempted to ask about the people that screwed you over, but I'm going to flip that and say, who are, what are some of the examples as you were coming up of people that helped you, of people that inspired you, or whether it was you directly or something you witnessed or another company, you know, what, where did you take inspiration for saying, you know what, this is a fundamental, important thing that I want to focus on as I start a business? Well, I just have seen it throughout my life, like on the positive side. I, what inspires me is when people who have so little give so much. That is just that to me is just I've seen it a lot. I've seen it in mostly in my personal life where um, it, it just inspires me when I see people give. I had, you know, I had a friend who was poor, receives a death benefit from his family uh, when his father died and he gave the money to his brother to go to school because yeah. he felt like, you know, I've seen these things. We've all seen these. I think we can all relate to that. Right. That to me is impressive. And it, it's all and I think a lot of it is you have to put it into context. It's not just writing a check. It's giving a piece of yourself. Yeah. I think that is what inspires me. And, um, and I see it. And then so I kind of try and translate that into the company, the people we hire, you know, and the conversations I have. Like I spend a lot of my day doing things that are not probably the best thing that a president of a company should be doing. I spend a lot of it sort of just on things that I find interesting. A lot of things I find interesting are often tied to philanthropic efforts. Um, and it's, I mean, a lot of it is just selfish. I just personally, I don't know. I just sort of enjoy it. I find it, it's not even enjoying it. I find it interesting. I find like, I think the thing, I think the idea of making an impact in some way, shape or form is important to me and important to others. So, but at the same time, I imagine it's also, it takes a lot. It takes a lot from you. It takes a lot from, you know, from, from the organization. How do you recharge your batteries? How do you stay? I don't need to really recharge my – on this topic, I do never need to recharge my batteries. I fight with everybody in a way. <laughs> I just do and I'll never stop. I don't know. I wish I would stop. Sometimes I go home and I say, why do I fight with everybody? I fight with what's wrong. I just can't help myself and I feel like trying to get – and it also gives me passion. So I feel like the idea of fighting for kids who are getting screwed in the public education system, I could do that all day mm. long. It just doesn't get, and I just feel like. Ah, so there's stop. an advocacy. You recognize that that's a part of your personality, and you you channel that in, well, into advocacy. I would also argue. I mean, as someone who watches you as leader of the agency very closely, you know, I think that this is what recharges your batteries. Like if you did just the the running of the agency and the business side of things all day, 
every day, which, you know, you do as it is. But on top of it, I think it's finding these outlets, whether you're the running the agency or whether you were just hired by the agency. It's finding these outlets that help you connect the impact of the work that you do every day with with uh, an individual who, or, or a group of individuals whose, whose lives you can ultimately change. I think that is kind of what the, the recharge is, is that it's like making those connections between the work that you do and kind of the impact that you can have. Um, yeah. I, the, the thing I would add, and thank you, I think the thing I would add to that is that the thing that drives me is listening and working with the with our team here when we bring up this topic of how can our philanthropic causes make an impact, and that's exciting. And having worked with Jordan, and, and who's you know really been since the very beginning of some of these more formal philanthropic efforts, uh, Jordan in particular has really helped me shape the way we talk about it because that's that's probably one of the more challenging pieces. Is we believe in all these things, uh, and how do you? shape these philanthropic efforts in a way that people understand why we're doing this as a greater good and and what are the ways that they can engage with it. That is something we right. have really struggled. I have personally really struggled with, and that's why I'm, I talk Jordan's ear off half the day on these topics of how do we ultimately take these things that, that feel good and we're doing them and they're all the right thing, but how do you do them in a way that people can kind of latch onto and be a right. part of? Well, I mean, you really want it to become contagious. You, you, have, you said it before that you have a limited amount of time on this earth. The impact that you make isn't just what you do, but, but it's when you hire people in the agency, you don't just want to you know, be a good role model. You want to inspire them to act. And I think that's with the evolution of, of, of philanthropic endeavors in general. You know, the more you do this, it's not just about giving more of yourself. It's about, you know, making other people inspired to say, you know what, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Uh, so how do you, you know, how do you do that both internally and with other founders of businesses and other people who are your peers? How do you get them to say, you know what, I want to, I'm going to raise my competitive hackles if Damien Bazadonna can do it. You know, I can do it too, and I'm that's I'm going to even do it better than he does it. Well, I think the first thing is write a check. I've always felt go first. That's what I always say. So if you're going to say I'm going to go do something, it's like write the first check or put the first hour in because you can't go and ask someone for money if you're not the one doing it as well. Mm-hmm. You have to have some skin in the game, and I think that's the that's always been the way I try to approach these things. On raising money on situation project, I would go in and say I will commit to the money. Even years I lost money, I gave money. I right. always give. If you're going to stick to it, you got to stick to it. And when you, when you, I think that's usually the starting point. Because if I go and ask for someone for money and say, well, I went first, I put the money in, now I'm asking you to do it, then all of a sudden I feel like there's a certain connection that they say, okay, I'll come along with you. It's just like, it's kind of the, these two moments coming together. Um, I would say, what is, just look around this company though, as I said before, how we're trying to recruit people that share these values. We have people here that just do remarkable things, and I've seen it, and how they contribute back in all kinds of ways. We have people here that do uh, coding with high school students to sort of you know, enter them into the world of understanding programming. We have people here who work in soup kitchens. We have people here who do all these remarkable things. Um, and I hope, my, my hope is that, that that is just celebrated here in some way, shape, or form because I think it makes happier. People, it, it, all, all the things that philanthropy does um, is as good as it is for the people we're helping, it's helpful for the people themselves. It makes a great work environment. It's all these kind of things kind of compile on each other. Well, well, and at an, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead, Jordan. I was just going to say at an agency level, I think what's also really interesting about having such a strong kind of 
philanthropic soul of the agency is that it provides almost a shortcut when you are looking to kind of build relationships or connections with people. How do we, we want to work with people who ultimately share our values. So how, and, and talking about the, these philanthropic efforts become, becomes almost a shorthand for like, what do you value? And like, this is who mm. we are. And there are lots of great agencies that a lot of people could work with, but ultimately like we want to work with people that share those. And so how can we communicate those in a really fast way um, that, that, that helps people understand that and becomes the seed of a much stronger relationship than just this person is paying us for services. Cause ultimately we're in it for so much more than that. So I think that, that to me is also, uh, you know, uh, selfishly a tool that becomes just a great barometer for like, is this somebody we want to work with? Like, how do they respond to this? What do they think? What are they doing? Um, and, and it just tells so much about kind of the, the spirit of, uh, of, of other organizations as well. Well, and I think there's something that you learn when you take those moments to give of yourself. You recognize the value of giving and of receiving assistance. Everybody is in a position mm-hmm. in their life sometime when they needed help. And you, it's very easy if you're successful, especially to get bl- those blinders on and kind of get full of yourself and kind of say, you know what? I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I did this all by myself. Nobody did that. Mm-hmm. No, everybody got a hand coming up. And I think, you know, when you sew that into your daily life, you're able to remember how vital it is and how important it is. Uh, so Jordan, Damien said you were part of kind of the early days of really formalizing, you know, a lot of the things that we're doing now. Talk a little bit about what surprised you between when you first started here and started kind of supporting our giving efforts and, and you know, what were things that you didn't expect as that, as that evolved? Well, I mean, I think when you look at kind of the seed of how the Situation Project evolves, it really felt like a seed. I mean, it started from this place of like, we have this money that we spend on holiday gifts. And as an agency, you know, we, we really embrace the idea, this idea that doing is greater than having and that that makes the world a better place drives everything that we do. So when we just looked at that and we felt like, oh my God, we're filling the kitchens of all these offices with like more stuff, like surely there's something better we can do. I mean, that's how this started. So I think, I don't think any of, oh, I'm sure Damien did. He has much better foresight than me, but I, I had I had no idea that that just kind of a discussion about, what should we do with this, um, you know, at the time, what seemed like a smallish amount of money that we're spending on gifts could expand into something that has ultimately driven thousands upon thousands of experiences for people who um, uh, who who wouldn't have otherwise had them. What was also, what was also awesome about that, I and mean, you saw this on the front lines, how people like Micah Hollingworth and a, a lot of other people started to step up uh, in our world where it started saying, well, how can I help? And that to me was probably, I, I'm totally with you. I, I, I mean, foresight. I don't know when I'm meeting for lunch later, never mind knowing <laughs> anything too far into the future. But the, uh, it is, uh, I think if you take something, and I've learned this from a, lo- a lot of people that I've always just believed this. If you have an idea and you believe in it and you put it out there, try it. And people are either going to attract to it and build upon it um, or on to the next thing. You're always trying. But I feel, I, I, what I thought was just most impressive, the growth of the Situation Project is as a result of ev- like the, the groundswell of support around an idea. It's like, right. I mean, for us, like we help drive it, but like this would not happen without everyone kind of going, yeah, how can we help? And how do we have show- shows? We have people writing checks. We have people giving time. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, for something that's not even an organization that we don't even have, there's not a full-time employee of the situation project and we're crossing 10,000 experiences that we will have, have served by today. It's crazy. Are, are there growing pains? It sounds like part of what you're saying that's kind of at the at the heart of any philanthropic endeavor is 
that it, it should grow. It should year after year, it should expand. It should attract more people. Are there, are there things, are there ways that it can grow that, uh, provide challenges that you didn't anticipate? Are there ways that it can grow and go off the rails and how do you correct that? Yeah, no, growth is an enormous problem if you're not ready to focus on it. I don't really do many things personally that I, that aren't growing in some way, shape or form. So I just don't, I lose, not that I lose interest, but I feel like the equity of what you learned should just be reinvested to make a bigger impact. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of growing pains. I mean, for, I mean, I could just say simple, one part is operationally, we start with one school and then I'm like, you know, collectively we're like, let's go get four schools and all of a sudden we get four schools and right. how do you remain on mission and on vision and logistically managing all of it? All those pieces that come into play, um, is, is I'd say one huge piece. Uh, but the, the second huge piece also for me personally is I have the responsibility to pay, run a company and pay people's salaries, right? Like, and like just do this whole process of growing this company. So every minute I'm taking my eye off of the, 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 the very, the difficult task of running a company is, you know, there's a, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that I try to treat them as one and the same, like philosophically, they're on the same page of like doing is better than having. And these are both fundamental parts of our company. But at the end of the day, when you're running an agency, it's, it's time intensive. So it, it, it is it like, is it like raising a kid that at some point it'll go out into the world and be self-sufficient and that you'll have a different relationship to it? If you look to the future, have you thought about, you know, how am I going to be connected to this thing in 10 years? No, I don't. I, since I have not looked out that far out because there's a lot of different scenarios that can happen. What I'm trying to do right now is just continue to do what we're doing and try and create more high-impact moments in which we can learn from it because there's a whole bunch of different models. What I hope, no matter what happens, whether the situation project grows or it stays the same or it turns to its own beast, is that we are inspiring a larger conversation about supporting the education system as it relates to giving kids access to experiences. If, if it happens with the Situation Project, great. If it happens with other organizations stepping up, making an impact, that's that that's just as ha- I'm just as fine with that. Um, I'm a product of the pub- of the public education system my entire life, from elementary school all the way through to college. When I'm a SUNY student from SUNY Albany, SUNY Cobleskill, like I'm a I'm a product of the public education system, and I feel like that. I feel like I want to celebrate that, and I want to sort of empower other kids to do that. And we have a responsibility. There's no question. On the public education system, the public has a responsibility to be an active voice at making an impact. That does not come from anywhere else but the community. As much as we want our government officials to do that, they need our voices and our support. So, and that's just something I believe. So, whatever happens at the end of for a situation project, whatever happens, I believe it can. I believe it's going to grow. It's always going to be a part of me. And who knows? I could be on this podcast a year from now. It's a hundred thousand <laughs> students. We're trying. Right. Um, but my bigger thing is the focus on the topic. And if the, if, and if that is pushed forward, then that's a win. So there's no finish line. It just keeps going. Well, what do you think? I mean, Jordan's been on the front lines watching a lot of this. Um, I'm curious on what you think. Yeah. Where, did, where, where do you, do you, you see this in five years or what would, if you cast your mind forward, how do you see it evolving? Yeah. I mean, well, it's a great question. I feel like, you know, just this week, Damien and I have been having so many conversations about, you know, how, how we talk about this. And I think ultimately, um, as the, 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 the organization has, has, has evolved and as we've kind of become more official and received our 501c3, 501c3 status, I think the idea of what's possible has really expanded. And I think, you know, this kind of goes back to an early question, but another thing that has really surprised me about this is how much 
like Damien mentioned, there's this groundswell of support for organizations like the Situation Project, for for other great organizations out there that are doing amazing things. And my hope is that five years from now, we're really able to see an impact with the uh, with with the with the New York City Department of Education that somehow is reflective of mm-hmm. some of these integrations and and kind of that we're trying to make within the school system. I mean, that would be my dream is that somehow you know we 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 can there there is an impact that ultimately uh, is made across the city and not just kind of in what all our what I will call our kind of these flagship schools that we've identified as as almost. Uh, use cases. Um, I think that that in my world, it's like, oh, wow, we can really make an impact and kind of adjust how the, the, the education system, as, as crazy as this might sound, might value some of, some of the work that we do. So, so is that kind of the initiative? You know, you have the STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM to STEAM, mm-hmm. adding arts back into that equation as the A. Is, is that what you're hoping that the, the bigger impact of this is as you more and more it's recognized that this, the arts are valuable? as part of the public school education, is, is that drive kind of some of the ambition? Well, I think what it kind of starts from is, and again, right now, you know, we've been, this is a conversation about philanthropy. So we've been really talking about the organization from this charitable perspective. But I think the the reality is also that, you know, and I can't speak for Damien, but that this is a business investment because ultimately as people who are invested in talent, this is something that we're doing to build a pipeline to those communities who, what we believe, and, and we don't just believe it, statistics show it, are doing the most with the least. And so for us, it's about how can we ensure that these communities have the resources that they need that they don't have right now because right. of the system in which the, the world operates to achieve at the highest level that's possible. And we are lucky enough that we, we sit in this kind of arts and culture universe in this amazing way. And it just so happens that statistics have shown that studies have shown that arts education is the single uh, most efficient way to close that achievement gap. So for us, that, that, that's why it's about arts is because it's like if we want to close this achievement gap and, and ensure that these underdogs can win, that this is the way to do it. And so I think that that ultimately is, is kind of the, the yes, you know, STEAM, we're in very huge support of, of those efforts. And I think there's just a lot of ways to do it. It's obviously very complicated. It's expensive. Right. Um, and it's, it's really hard to measure the impact. Uh, but I think, you know, just because something hard doesn't, doesn't mean you shouldn't try, you know. So how, how far does the mission of the Situation Project within the arts, I, I know a lot of what we've done in the past few years is we've brought kids to see Broadway, brought to Broadway shows. But there are lots of different types of arts that, you know, if, if they're going to survive for another 20, 30 years, they need to develop their audiences. I'm thinking opera. I'm thinking choral music, you know. So how are there – how far can, can the Situation Project specifically expand across all art forms? Well, we've, we've started. I mean the great thing is we've had – you know, we brought our students to the Met and they had a right. – you know, we were three – one of the – a colleague of ours had uh, given the students a private, an empty Met tour where essentially brought the students through the Met before it opened for a tour where they can kind of get a chance to experience, um, have a very unique experience being curated, taking uh, a path through the museum, uh, which is unbelievable. So I, I think that for, for us, if, if the belief is that, um, you know, arts education can help close the achievement gap, uh, which is our, what we're essentially betting on, right? that's everything we've been focused on and, and research supports that. 
Um, I think you can go to, we don't plan on sort of stopping based on particular experiences. I'm glad you brought that up because it gives us a chance to log roll for a second. If anybody wants to see a little bit of what that experience was like, we actually have that as part of, uh, if you have download our situation app in, uh, in one of the presentations we did for the mobile truth, I think Jeremy has talks about that experience of what it was like taking the kids to the Met. We actually even have some video of what their reaction to some stuff that they saw there. So I think, you know, anybody who wants to see more about that should check that out. Well, and announced today actually is an amazing uh, opportunity that Canon and the Finding Neverland provided to our students within the Situation Project to go watch a rehearsal of Finding Neverland and use Canon cameras to the photography class, use Canon cameras to capture this rehearsal. So the first time amateur photographers have ever been allowed to take production photos like this. But that's such a great uh, example of you know, two art forms meeting in this amazing way for these students that, um, you know, ultimately we hope that's just a sign of things to come. Well, Damien and Jordan, I, you know, I couldn't ask for two better walking, living examples of why giving back uh, is, can be so empowering and can be so contagious. You guys are really an inspiration to the agency. I want to thank you so much for talking about this today. Um, you know, if people want to check out more about this, they can go to situationproject.org. I encourage everybody to do that. Um, you know, guys, just thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Peter. Peter. Thank you. All right. So if you guys have any feedback about this episode or want to suggest other topics for us, please send us an email to podcast at situation.myc. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. Thank you.